Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I am joined by Chris Legg and Brent Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith Podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, alongside my partners in crime, Chris Legg and Brent Starnes. And we are jumping into um, another episode of Reconstructed Faith, dealing with uh, politics um, and all sorts of things that that mm-hmm. fall under that mm-hmm. umbrella. Yeah, um, that's right. Scary. Today, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it over to Bryn um, as we start off our conversation dealing with the concept of morality. Yes. What do you? What are? Yeah. What thoughts do you have for us? Bryn? <laughs> <laughs> Just morality in general. That's right. Cover uh, that one for us. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Let us know when you're done. No, yeah, sorry. But within within um, within politics and then also how things can kind of, there can be crossover yeah, and stuff yeah. like that that kind of confuses people. Yeah, I, I think it's it's important to differentiate because it, it does um, get really confusing and muddled. And, and like we're talking about in this whole series, we need to be careful to define terms um, just with an effort of communicating clearly, but also understanding what we're saying and how the views or actions of other people have affected us in our faith when it comes to politics. And so, um, but one of the last episodes we talked about, um, the definitions of liberal and conservative and how there's a definition of liberal and conservative that applies to politics specifically. But then we also, there, there is a liberal and conservative definition when it comes to Christianity. Um, but I think one of the harms, like we talked about in that episode is when we're equating politically conservative or politically liberal (laughs) with, um, like conservative Christianity, or I don't remember Chris, how you said it specifically, but even interpreting the Bible right. in a hermeneutically conservative or liberal way. Right. And so I think one, we have to be really careful when it comes to morally liberal and conservative, not lumping that with politically conservative and liberal and right. meaning the same thing and using that word to define such a broad <laughs> range of things that often are not necessarily related. Oh my gosh. It, they're just descriptive words. It's yes. like saying, hey, there's a red house and there's a red ball. They're the same. Right. So but No, they just share a, a similar feature. Yes. So when you're saying, um, you know, someone has a stance that is conservative on a political issue, and then they also may ascribe to some conservative right. values as well, we have to be really careful when we're linking those together. The yes. other thing is politics do involve morals, and so... The other thing that muddies muddles <laughs> muddies muddles <Both>. this <laughs> a lot um, is the fact that, like you're saying, like we've said before, you do need to vote your conscience, and you do need to. Our citizenship is primarily of heaven, and so whichever issue is has come up, we need to vote in a way that supports our primary citizenship of being a citizen of heaven. Which means some of the things we will vote on involve morals, right? Um. However, right. <laughs> the and like we just <clears throat> talked about at the end of the last episode, when it comes to the clip by Tony Evans, right. we have to have an accurate perspective of that because then what happens is we 
begin to assign all of one political party to be the moral party, depending on which one we more closely align with and the other party as immoral, I think is the extreme of that thought. And as believers, we have to be really careful with that. Um, not equating the side of God to be a political side specifically. And also I think when it comes to engaging with other believers, what we find a lot of times is we start to have an us versus them that starts in politics and then bleeds into our Christian brothers and sisters. And so if we are assuming that if someone is on a political side, then they are not following the Lord. Does that make sense? Right. So if I, because morals are important, but obviously we talked about there's not one political party that is the savior and is, is the fix for all Christian problems or Christian issues in the world. Um, If we start to align ourselves so closely with a party that um, that we get to the point where we assume if you vote in a different way, you are not a Christian. Um, yep. I think that can be really harmful. Um, yeah. So Absolutely. that's just <laughs> some me word vomiting, some <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> oh, I think that's um, huge. But yeah, what else would you <clears throat> add? It, it, well, it does make it confusing when there is, because there are lots of issues that aren't, you know, biblically clear issues that right. the Bible doesn't speak about. Like, I don't know, gun control. Mm-hmm. Um, at all, um, right. which doesn't mean there aren't principles in the Bible that you can use for one side or the other, but that's not there. Or, but whereas other topics like maybe the sanctity of human life is discussed scripturally, there are direct implications from the Bible. Um, and some that it seems like the Bible just, I don't know that the Bible would care particularly about, like whether or not a certain bridge is built in a certain town or not, which is yeah. another political issue. Or maybe a political issue that like um, immigration, for example, has to do with human life mm-hmm, and humans. Mm-hmm. However, your solution to that might be political, even if you're <clears throat> ascribing to a Christian belief of, of humans do matter. Right, exactly. <laughs> you could have the same exact opinion. Right. Humans matter, immigrants matter. Made and the they say, what's God. the best way to take right. care of immigrants? Well, we might disagree. We might have the right. same biblical view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we need to somehow take care of immigrants and sojourners or whatever, but at the same time come to different political conclusions on the best ways to do that. Yes. Um, That's certainly true of poverty in America. That's a huge, a huge issue in crisis in America. And I assume fine motives on everybody who wants to help people with poverty stricken issues. I I don't know that that maybe, maybe everybody's conning everybody, but I don't think so. I think a lot of people really legitimately want to help. They just disagree on how to help. Mm -hmm. I I think it's great. We actually have, I don't know if it's a, it's a large scale ministry or it's even a ministry nonprofit called path here in Tyler. Is that Uh bigger than anyway, people attempting to help. That's what Mm -hmm. it stands for. I've always loved that name. Like, listen, we're just trying to help here. Yeah. And, and we may not always do, do it right, do it best, but we're just trying to help. I love the unification power of that name. I always have, but anyway, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. But so it feels like when you take two different perspectives and there's a, there's a moral issue that, that has religious implication for Christians, biblical implication and has political implications that doesn't, those are going to line up, they may switch over time. And that certainly Mm -hmm. has happened in America where a political party was on one side of an issue and 
50 years later, the other party is on the same, that side. Like Mm -hmm. they switch sides of an issue. Yeah. Well, Christians shouldn't be switching sides of an issue if it is a biblical issue. We may switch how we think the best way to deal with it is, but, um, but that does make it confusing. Mm -hmm. So when I say, here's my view on foster and adoption issues, Am I making a biblical argument? Am I making a natural law argument? Am I making mm-hmm. a traditionalist conservative argument? Am I making a political ar- like? Yeah, and and those get convoluted. Yeah, um, sometimes, sometimes unavoidably it feels like you have to pick between moral issues depending on which side is. Yeah, you know sometimes there are moral issues that are being supported better by both sides, and then it feels yes. like you're picking by priority of those things. That is so true. So, in in what ways do you see this p- pro- potentially playing out in the deconstruction? Yeah, of faith, man. <clears throat> I think I think one that I can imagine, um, and I have to. I'm trying to figure out exactly how to verbalize this. There's there's an old there, there's a pattern in politics that older people tend to be more conservative and younger uh-huh. people tend to be more liberal. Um, it's not universal by any means, but there's a there's just a tendency that way. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know who gets credit for it. I've heard it given to many people, Churchill and Ben Franklin and others, but that. It's kind of like any young person with a heart is going to be a liberal and any older person with a brain is going to be a conservative type of, <laughs> yeah. and that's not, obviously it's not fair. And everybody, but, but right. there's a, a joke in there, a comedy in there for a reason. Um, but I think sometimes there's a, my parents say they care about poor people, but they still vote for the side that doesn't claim to, that doesn't make a big deal about poor people. Yeah. And, and and so I and think therefore it means something about their faith. Yeah. And so yeah. therefore, because I, my parents are hypocrites, therefore they're, I, I throw out everything like mm-hmm. they're like politically we hypocrites. Really, so, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. they claim to follow Jesus, but they don't believe in gun control. And so then the child or the young person links, well, if they follow Jesus, they should be for gun. I'm just making this up. Right. Mm-hmm. They should be for gun control and they don't know the whole arguments. And, and honestly, and their parents may not know the whole arguments. Right. Their parents may be, they may be hypocritical in their viewpoints of these things. And so um, it's just, I think a lot of times intergenerationally, we want to throw out every, you know, our parents make us mad. They're hypocrites. um, They're imperfect and they're flawed. And sometimes they're just evil and abusive. Mm. And so anything that reminds us of them, we want to throw it out. And I I see that when it comes to deconstructed. And um, I think there's a hypocrisy that like a next level hypocrisy that we have a political party that we need, we feel the need to, to subscribe to. Uh And then we somehow turn it. We've talked about this at the the first episode, I think, but then we somehow need everything in that party to be a religious issue or like backed by scripture and everything in the other political party to be anti-Christianity to, to support the political party that we are a part of. And so I think there's a hypocrisy too that kids can see in that of like, my parents are, are a part of this political party and they're every issue. Some of the issues in this political party are moral, (laughs) but some of them um, may or may not, you know, may or may not be of a a biblical issue, but they're going to make it a biblical issue because it's the party that they need to stand for. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then it's like, you're lumping all of your political party with the Bible and then all of the other political party with evil (laughs) or immorality. And that breeds a level of hypocrisy also. Yeah. That's an interesting, I guess there are probably parents who say, 
some version of your, you know, you're hurting Jesus's feelings because of your political views or because you're not following your parents' guidance on this issue. Like <coughs> that just seems like a parenting. It's vital important that parents get good at listening to their young people talk mm-hmm. versus just talking over them. And that would really, that probably helps more than anything else is when we listen, but that's a, that's a separate podcast. That's a parenting yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but, but how yeah. do we, I mean, I'm sure there are people who are listening or who, who know someone who's listened, who it's like, that's a real deal for someone of Mm -hmm. like, you've been brought up in this household where we are Republican or we are Democrat. Right. And I guess as I'm saying it, it does go back to the identity conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But that it can be hard. It can hard to, it can be hard to separate from. Because family, family is not religion either. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly. a whole other, right. that, you know, it's really not fit in this conversation, although I've had it in several places recently, that when you ask a lot of American Christians, what's the most important thing in your life? They say yeah. family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the wrong answer. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, even family has to be subordinate to yeah. devotion to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but how fascinating when we, if we link all those together, family, religion, politics, yeah. and we link all those together, we are setting up a generation to feel the need to reject all of it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Rather than giving them the freedom to say, listen, I'm your, I, you know, I'm your dad and, and you need to learn what it means to honor, respect, obey me. Mm-hmm. And when I'm wrong, you can call that out and you can draw my attention to that as long as you're respectful and I will own it. And down the road, I'm going to make mistakes and you're going to have different opinions than me. And that's mm-hmm. normal and, and even can be healthy. But how many parents don't give the, their kids that freedom? Yeah. And so in order to reject one thing, they feel like they have to reject, reject it, it all. all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's even, probably common. Even families who are not like cultural Christians, but actually all love the Lord and are having these conversations generationally. Right. I think even that is important to recognize you can love Jesus and we may disagree politically. Right. And acknowledging that I think seems simple, but is is really difficult to do. It is. Because when it comes to some of these issues, it's like you can love the Lord and disagree with me on politically how to morally enact yeah. this. Because I think a lot of times with older mm. generations, it it is a very um it's some stances that are very strongly held to, to the point of like, if you love the Lord, then you'll vote this way. Right. And I think that can be estranging to, to kids who really love the Lord. Right. Sure. Understandably. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. But, but I think that is a cause of deconstruction and, and let's do bigger picture. I think now let's take a minute and talk about, we've talked about these movements, how it Mm -hmm. seems like, um, that there's a there, especially like with evangelical churches, when you have big mega church pastors come out and support a party mm. or support a candidate or support a movement. And and even then, if you don't have the sophisticated understanding, um, I mean, I, I think we've had several elections in America recently when I don't know that any of us were all that happy with any of the candidates. Mm. Um, especially when we narrow down to two and then everyone is kind of actually saw a, 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 I'm old enough. This was a joke from many decades ago, but it seems like it only gets more true is the, if God intended for us to vote, he'd have given us candidates type of <laughs> language. We look around and think like this, this is the best we got. Mm. This is it. 
But when you say, this is a moral stance I have, and then I vote for someone who doesn't have that moral stance, that feels, can feel, can seem hypocritical. Mm. Um, there's a, a gentleman who I've talked about before, a good friend of mine in town, Stephen Young, who's a pastor here. And, and we've had several conversations, you know, okay, so how, how do you as an African-American pastor engage with some of these issues? And how do I, as a Caucasian pastor, engage with some of these issues? And because neither of us is our ethnicity a primary source of identity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real, it's there, but it's, I mean, our relationship with Christ, you know, we could switch the others and it would still be me. Um, uh, I'd probably have different viewpoints or different experiences, but anyway, so it's a, um, we've we've had those conversations and some of it has revolved around politics. Is mm-hmm. the confusion created over who does your church vote for? Mm-hmm. As if, as if our church votes in a certain block, as if we all go down together holding hands and cast one ballot that multiplies outside. Like, that's not real. That doesn't exist. But people portray it that way, and they paint it that way, and they assume it that way. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. And especially when either candidate has character flaws that would normally be called out by the church. Right. And then... You know, Christians feel trapped to vote one way or another because of one issue or, or another. Or would disqualify that person from ministry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Would disqualify them from being an elder in the church or a yeah. pastor in a church or a staff member or, or to, you know, to wash dishes in the church. Right. And yet, wow. And, but yet you got, you so-called Christians are going to vote for this person, whatever, whoever they are. That's, that's a sophisticated conversation. And when we oversimplify it, it gets ugly. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to that. But I, I think that's true in America. We have seen, um, uh, I think people have identified Christianity with candidates, conservative candidates or allegedly conservative candidates, like Donald Trump obviously is a quite a lightning rod. Uh-huh. And so I think that's part of what has happened is, is that, mm. well, you support, you are a Christian, you support this candidate for this one reason, but there's all the other things that you just supported right. by supporting them. And that's why politics is so sophisticated. It's such a hard conversation. And yeah. Christians did it really bad when I was younger and under Clinton was, oh, you claim this is important, but then you voted for this guy. And rightfully, some of that's being thrown back in the face of Christians like, oh, but you voted for this guy mm-hmm. and he's no better. And mm. realizing, okay, there is something to this independence Okay, well, sometimes we have to vote for somebody who we would not want, you know, to walk our dog, but we're yeah. now going to vote them to be president of the United States <laughs> for a very specific, because of narrowed options. Interesting. And it's, it's a tough, and I feel like in this generation, I can, I mean, we could go through and I could name more names than Trump, but, but he was such a lightning rod to draw so much attention, or yeah. still is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I feel like that created a, a disconnect. My yeah. parents who claim to honor these things, just voted for this man who has adult entertainment centers in his hotels and claims to be a Christian and, and claims to be a Christian, Mm -hmm. you know, now and has, you know, all all these different ugly sides. And yet, Uh yeah, it, 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 Christian, Christians had to wrestle with Mm -hmm. politics in a new way that we've never really had to for a long time when you have not covert sins, but overt sins in, in candidates Yes. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. that's hard. Yeah. It, and it was hard. Christians learned a little lesson. Yeah. I think a lot of us did through so that process. What do you think, what do you think that 
you know, you can say for better, for worse, whatever. What do you think that communicated to, or, or communicates to non-Christians as far as like, mm. so-and-so has the evangelical vote. So-and-so has, right. you know? Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's part of the conversation that we've been also we've also been having about the legitimacy and the credibility of the church right within our society i don't i don't know necessarily how how to phrase the question but it's like if an outsider is looking in and they're asking these questions about christianity right. and they're like well and i guess i guess you're kind of you you have been answering it's a theme throughout the the past couple of episodes about politics is right the whole throwing out the baby with the bathwater right. kind of a thing. We it can't just be a simple cut and dry thing, right? Or it isn't. Right. It's it's complicated, and we're voting our conscience, right? And so, we're not necessarily voting for this person's outstanding moral character. Mm. Sometimes, yeah. Although we would prefer to, absolutely. And and okay, so then it comes back to the to the narrow narrowing of the narrowing. options. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a um. Uh, political writer who some, I don't remember which of the last recent elections talked about the church feeling the need to vote between a, a bottom rate fireman or a first rate arsonist. <laughs> and, and both are terrible choice. They feel like terrible choices. Mm -hmm. And yet those were the two choices. And so it's a, it's a, there's not going to be easy on some of I think we're done as America ceases to be a nation found that that continues to honor judeo-christian morals mm -hmm. and ethics the church is going to more and more find ourselves in opposition to all candidates like yeah. all we we vote against all of the above yeah mm -hmm. um you know we we had to throw nine flags and so five flags and four four five flags against one side and four flags against the other side which left one flag on the other side so we ended up voting for the other one which we don't want either one like you know yeah. it's it's it, there were there were nine 20 yard penalties against yeah. both of them five on one side and four on the other i actually uh you know i i, I don't want to go into it here but listed out in in an article like five major moral issues that our politicians are wrestling with and failing in some cases to wrestle with. And I feel like both parties are relatively failing at, at four of the five. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know what it would do for me if one party was right on one moral issue and the other party was right on the other moral issue Yeah, and there was nothing in between and they were even, mm -hmm. I would feel very stuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's not where I am right now, but it's a, it's a tough that's yeah. a tough, it's always tough. Yeah. And then, well, and then there, then you also throw in the civic duty part of it. It's like, well, are we just supposed to not vote? Yeah. yeah. Well, Jesus didn't vote. Right, 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 right. <laughs> exactly. But exactly. Oh, yeah. On but, that you note, know what I'm saying? We... <laughs> yeah. We Sorry. can, we can, no, no, no I the... love that. Yeah. Do why? We... I mean, why not? Like, it's a different culture. Yeah. Let's look at what some of the scripture has there. Go for it. Were you already turned no, over no, to no. one? No, I was just saying, maybe we should look at some scriptures. On <laughs> I think that's smart. Yeah, why not? Right, and exactly. when Jesus does talk about how to interact with government. Yeah. Jesus does not talk a lot directly about government. Mm -hmm. um, he does some. For example, he specifically instructs people to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and there's a generalized sense of respect for the governing authorities that Jesus has. But the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter very clearly um, speak into these issues 
about following the the leadership of the governing authorities. Yeah. Um, if I go back to the psalmist, Psalm 2, um, this is the fundamental, this is an important one. Psalm 2 begins, Why do the nations rage and the people blot in vain? And the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. In other words, we're not we're no longer going to be under the authority of God and God's people and God's creation. Mm-hmm. And he who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. So again, we are reminded as Christians, and this is by the way, this doesn't make this easy. Yeah. I'm um, good. We talked about this off camera. I'm off camera, off mic, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But is that that there is no such thing as authority that comes into existence that God has not allowed to come into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we would argue whether he directly put them in power, he he created the concept of authority and he has imposed it upon creation. And then there are so many who he has yeah. allowed, allowed to be an authority. So it's not that he always approves of them. I don't think you have to say, certainly you don't have to say he approves of their behavior. Right. It's not like uh-huh. they're his ambassadors. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the word that, I'm, that actually makes, that, that makes a lot of Well, that, that works because we are his ambassadors. Yes. Right. Christians exactly. are his ambassadors. Exactly. So a Christian president would be his ambassador, but that would be because he's a Christian, not, not a president. political party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that's important. Yeah. yeah. The, there's no political party that gets the ambassadorship of the kingdom of Highlight heaven. that on your mm-hmm. phone. Yeah, <laughs> get a highlighter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but he yes. he he maintains absolute authority, and um, which is can be troubling. Like why he allows, why has he allowed certain people to be in power and authority can be very troubling. And we, you know, mm-hmm. we can go back to other topics for that. But yeah, absolutely, that's a tough one. Um, but it is important to remember we do believe that he is ultimately, and and that applies to presidents that you agree with and that applies to presidents you don't agree with. Should we read Romans 13? I think you need to read (laughs) Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed him, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. That's a lot. Yes, it is. Also, I have heard jokes about God's servants being the Avengers, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's neither here nor there. That's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, that's a lot. And I feel like this is quoted out of context. A often. lot. <laughs> Yeah. So how do we think, how do you think, feel like we should be applying this mm. conversation? I'll tell you, it came up, especially during the last couple of years, more than a few times, the question of the under COVID leadership. And mm. um, as a pastor, I had a lot of conversations about this passage. Of how to apply it. Yeah. 
It's it's a stunning passage. So here's here's one of the immediates that people throw out there is they will say, and I'm not kidding, this is very often the first one I'll hear, is they will say, yeah, but Paul didn't have to live under our That's leadership. what I was going to ask. What was that? <laughs> yeah. So interest, interestingly, Paul at this time, as I, if I remember correctly, is probably already under the Roman emperor Nero. So Nero um, had some nasty habits. Um, <laughs> just a few. Just a few. A lot of them involved... Uh, homicidal behavior mm. uh, to just about anybody he felt like. Um, uh, you know, allegedly, although it's difficult to confirm, he may have even set a big fire in Rome that killed a lot of people so that he could build the Colosseum and some other things the way he wanted to. Mm. Um, I think it was the Colosseum was part of that. Um, and then blamed Christians for it. Um, cause those darn Christians, you know, about them and setting fires, uh-huh. um, right there in their Bible, it says it, it doesn't, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, and so he blamed them and so began to allegedly, again, it's hard to confirm a lot of these, a lot of these are, but you know, li- according to legend, he would, um, the way he would light his dinner parties and his, the picnic dinner parties that he had on his mm-hmm. lawn was by crucifying Christians and setting them on fire. Yikes. Um, and so you may, you know, you know, might you might really passionately disagree with, you know, our current administration or the mm-hmm. last one or the next one or whatever. But I, th- I think we're still a few administrations from rounding up Christians, crucifying them and right. setting them on fire. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the whole idea of the, the powers that be being opposed and, uh, yeah, I mean, completely against and persecuting you for you to then mm-hmm. say that let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Yeah. That's how pretty, about that? Yeah. Yeah. So notice there is a concept. And so I'll take just a second and unpack it. And I feel like we may have done this on an earlier podcast, but I'm sure we have, um, but is the idea that the governing authorities is always, there's always a hierarchy of governing authorities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Christians are always supposed to first honor the highest authority. That's the correct ethic of authority is, the highest authority is to be obeyed. Um, and so we see that like when I think it's Peter and John are called before the religious leadership, which was also governing authorities, and told to stop teaching about Jesus. And they actually said, well, God tells us to teach about Jesus, and you're saying not to. We'll let you guys debate as to what we should do with that. Meanwhile, we're going to go teach about Jesus. Um, and they were beaten for it, by the way. Um, disobeying the authorities does get you punished, even if you're right. Um, and that's something that Christians can accept. Mm. Um, and so we've talked about and how... And even rejoice in. And even, that's exactly right, even rejoice in. Um, and by the way, that that has been most of Christianity. Most Christians around the world today and most of Christianity throughout all of Christian history has not been very friendly with the governing authorities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a weird, unique situation in America that we were able to be for several decades. Um, and in many ways, that's probably over. Uh, and though I grieve that as an American, I don't grieve it as a Christian. Um, I'm, I, I recognize that. Now we join in with most of the other Christians as far as receiving yeah. at least... And at this stage, it's it's minor. It's mostly cultural persecution or a little bit of financial persecution or mm-hmm. stuff like that. But mm. um, and we'll see more, I suspect. But that's 
that's okay. Our, our religious freedoms will come in conflict with people's sexual liberty uh, or sexual freedoms, and 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 that'll be a be a battle. Mm-hmm. And in America, probably Christians will lose that. And and I'm not again. I know you can hear it in my voice. I'm not like panicked. Like this is. Yeah. Um, it may happen. It may not happen that way. There may be a return to Christian to the Christian yeah. values or whatever. That'd be great. Family, those family values of that of that. But that's a that's a different conversation yeah. for a different day. Um, that kind of we've already had. I, I do think whether it's Romans thirteen or First Peter two thirteen and fourteen, those passages teach Paul and Peter both taught very clearly. We are to honor the governing authorities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And follow them, and but as long as they don't require us. It's not conditional to what kind of authorities they are. Mm-mm. Yeah. The only condition is, are they in opposition to the higher authority? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then as a Christian, by the way, and as we talked a lot about this as a church among our leadership during COVID and stuff, was we would need to be able, we have to be able to say, in order for me to disobey a higher authority, I have to be able to say, to obey you makes <laughs> puts me in direct disobedience to a higher authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a Christian, if I'm saying God is that higher authority, I better be able to quote passage and verse to prove it's not just, well, I don't think God would want me to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Or Um, I disagree with this stance. Yeah. Yeah. And so using correct hermeneutics. That's exactly (laughs) right. Once again, it comes back to hermeneutics. Yeah. Um, yep. So, uh, I think that's Christian nationalism also of like, yeah, you know, because I, I disagree with this, like. God wouldn't want me to do this because, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. But, it's well, amazing how often God agrees with me. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> That's what a Christian is. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. If that is how you feel, maybe check yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you may need to check something. If, <laughs> what is it? What Christian I think says? it's a Tim Keller quote, isn't it? Oh, okay. Tim Keller, if God always agrees with you, then you might be worshiping it. It's a deified a version of yourself. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Tim Tim Keller on Twitter. Here we go. <laughs> if your God never disagrees with you, you mm. might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Yeah. We were about to give Chris Sharon credit <laughs> drop, for that. Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I knew he didn't get credit for because he, he always quoted Keller. I knew oh, it was Keller really from good. him. But <laughs> that's uh, really yeah. <laughs> that's too about, good a quote for any yeah. of us. But that I mean, but this this has been a good conversation. Yeah. Dealing with morality, dealing with authority. I'm just trying to think if somebody has dealt with deconstruction with when it relates to the how combining peop- of yeah. religion yeah. and politics. Yeah. yeah. We would love to hear that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because. And, and we would also, we'd love to challenge you also to, yeah. to go back and re-examine it through the lens of what are you actually rejecting? Yeah. Um, if what you're deconstructing is your faith in politics, uh-huh. I, I, I encourage you to do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you're deconstructing your faith in your parents, you may need to even do that. Yeah. Um, certainly, if you're deconstructing your faith in yourself, yes, mm-hmm. highly recommend. We 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 recommend all those as yeah because most of those things are are worthy of very little faith. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but but make sure that in in rejecting uh, a political party that does not require you to reject the Creator of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Um, he he is not part of he is, does not carry a card for any party. He transcends that. Uh-huh. Um, even if you if you feel like you have to reject the faith of your parents, how many times have we said on this podcast that when you're talking to somebody sometimes and they say, "Yeah, I'm rejecting this God because he's too Republican or he's too dim," mm. yeah, you, me too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but that's, that's probably needs to be rejected. That 
The God of politics like needs to be rejected. It is a false yeah. religion. Mm. Yeah. Um, politicians which, are false idols. Which I feel like we should cover that in our next episode as far as like... Perfect. Yeah. Religion or politics as a religion. And yeah. Now, mm-hmm. That is always going to fail. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers.